electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put days like today in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. It's not often that you see a $100 billion company born right before your eyes. But that's exactly what happened today with the infant that is Rivian, the electric vehicle maker that just came public and initially reached a $100 billion valuation when it first started trading this very morning. Yep, we're not so hot day for the averages, with it down declined 240 points. S&P sank 0.82%. The Nasdaq nosed by 1.66%. At one point, it's much uglier, though. Rivian stock shot up nearly 30%, though it closed below the price of its first trade. Now, I know it's jarring to think that this company, which had only delivered 156 cars as of the end of October, is basically the same size as the market capitalization of General Motors. However, I am sick of this. Because, you know what? Because that's a terrible comparison. I mean, electric vehicles are in a league of their own compared to old-school auto companies that still rely largely on the dreaded internal combustion engines, or ICE, as they call them. That doesn't mean Rivian necessarily deserves to be worth this much, but it does mean you can't dismiss it out of hand. Of course, the skeptics out there, well, they find this analysis absurd. They think that my analysis itself is sophomoric and soporific. Uh, only 156 cars, for heaven's sake. But Rivian's stock price is set by buyers who believe that electric vehicles are taking over the world. And there are enough true believers in the money management business post-Tesla's phenomenal success to send this stock into the stratosphere, and it may not be done. What do these true believers see? They see a company that's built the world's first all-electric pickup truck. They see the electric SUVs. They see the electric vans on the way. I have to throw in a, a purpose-driven. You always have to say purpose-driven. More importantly, they see Rivian's backers. So let's talk about them for a second. As I mentioned earlier this week, Ford will soon be Rivian's uh, biggest rival thanks to the electric F-150 coming out next year. Yet they own 12% of Rivian. Hmm, talk about an endorsement. On top of that, Amazon, yeah, Amazon, owns nearly 20% of this thing, and they've already ordered 100,000 vans. While Ford might cash out to build out its own electric capabilities, I, for one, hope they build a battery 
mega gigafactory. Amazon seems like a long hauler. The sustainability team is saying that they buy any and every electric van they can get their hands on, not just 100,000. Now, it's not often you see a company with a sold-out production line before it even enters mass production. But that is Rivian's pedigree. Now, you might say this is all ridiculous. I mean, did you see the action in the rest of the market today? The averages were atrocious because the market showed its true colors. Now, remember last night when I told you things were too confusing and the signals were too contradictory, so we had to wait for more clarity before we could make sense of the situation? Well, today we got the clarity. The red-hot consumer price index numbers. I mean, hardly unexpected, as I told you. Everyone... I mean, it, it, how can those be revelatory? Yet it didn't matter. They still managed to send the bond market into overdrive and, of course, over a cliff. Yesterday, bond yields were going down. I figured that might mean, well, it could be a false tell, right? I mean, we don't know where bonds are going to go. What we do know is that if there's inflation, rates are supposed to go higher. And sure enough, today, bond yields surge because there's a new sense that the Federal Reserve needs to raise interest rates quickly in order to cool down an overheated economy. That's the true colors. Again, I expected the October inflation numbers to be hideous. But as I said yesterday, my expectations aren't what matters. You aren't either. You needed the obvious slap you in the face inflation data to provoke the beast, forcing to reveal whether it's a bull or a bear. And today, the Ursa did indeed turn out to be a major bear. Every growth stock that trades based on its distant future earnings got slaughtered. Because that's the group that inflation hits the hardest. So you might wonder them, why the heck wasn't Rivian slaughtered, too? And any that only produces 156 vehicles, most of which were sold to employees. I mean, this thing reeking of the out years kind of thing that inflation hurts, right? It's trading on what it could make in 2030. How can a stock like that price at 78 and close at $100 when the market's turning against exactly this kind of investment? It's simple. Rivian's not rallying in spite of the growth stock sell-off. The growth stocks sold off in part because of Rivian. As investors sold large ones, sold off similar assets in order to get as much stock in as they could or participate in the deal. So you've got to understand how the market works if you want to understand Rivian. Given all the interest in this one, the Rivian IPO was practically guaranteed to be red hot. It was inevitable that it would go to a premium. In other words, that it would go above where it was priced. How much of a premium? Again, this is where Rivian stock distinguished itself as an entity separate from the pummeled averages. Successful underratings are all about something called allocations. Who gets it and who gets shut out? Usually the company comes public, is pretty clueless about the process, so they let the syndicate desk be in charge. Normally that means lots of money managers end up getting sweet deals because the syndicate desk need to keep them happy, so they'll continue to buy new merchandise, so they continue business. It's a reward. But this time it's different. This time, uh, Rivian CEO, R.J. Scaringe, he was able to uh, call the shots because his stock was so in demand. So he decided to give it to the entities that would pay the most uh, the sovereign wealth funds and large institutions, not small-time hedge fund flippers or home gamers. He wanted to reward people who would stick with, with him. Okay, I don't know the man, but obviously he's very thoughtful about this stuff. These accounts typically put in for 10% of the company's shares that are coming public. Obviously, they aren't going to get that much. But that's how you signal you want a ton of stock to the deal makers. So what happens is these gigantic non-flipping institutions then get a nice chunk on the IPO. But because they're so darn big, they need to buy much more if they're going to have what's known as a meaningful position 
within their funds. So they come in after getting their allocation and then proceed to sell the shares of fast-growing techs. We saw that selling all day until near the end of the day. And then they buy more Rivian shares once they start trading. And that's how a company like Rivian, that's only sold what it amounts to a handful of vehicles, can trade at the same market capitalization as GM. It's the mechanics of the market, people. Now, you could argue these institutions are insane. That given the inflationary nature of the economy, the Fed will have to raise interest rates rapidly, which will eviscerate Rivian's stock. No, that's short-sighted. It's absolutely true that inflation is way too high, and stocks are simply worth less than they were yesterday because their future earnings are being eroded. We see that data. We say, hey, you know what? We misjudged when we were very bullish yesterday. But Rivian is not just any stock. When Amazon reloads and reloads and then reloads again with orders, then you can make the case that this could be the next Tesla, and the next Tesla could easily earn a trillion-dollar valuation. And believe me, can we, just, can we just accept that that's what people are chasing? Again, I'm not saying Rivian will definitely be the next Tesla. I think the future all depends on management's execution because mass production of electric vehicles, is, it's incredibly difficult. And if it wasn't, don't you think the traditional automakers would have gotten in on the action a few years ago? Plus, I don't think this is really a game over for the stock market. Now, a scorching CPI number will have some lasting impact. Absolutely. It's been able to create several days worth of hand-wringing and selling when we've gotten them before. But ultimately, this could turn out to be what's known as a rearview mirror number. What if inflation's already peaking? What if the recent decline in oil and natural gas is for real and everyone's just ignoring it? What if the most basic sign of inflation has hit a wall? What if we're finally sorting out the poor congestion problem, not people working on it? What if housing continues to cool? You know what's starting to happen in a bunch of neighborhoods. Mortgages are getting more expensive, then you'll be kicking yourself for not buying stocks here. The amazing thing, of all the stocks out there, Rivian might just become a safe haven because at the moment there simply isn't enough stock around to sate all the buyers, at least not at these prices. Maybe they have to go higher. It could become a fixture of the new tech world, at least until the, in- the lockup on insider selling expires in six months. Then things could go a little tougher. So let me give you the bottom line. When you see a stock like Rivian exploding right out of the gate, you need to understand that it's not just that people believe in this electric vehicle story. It's also because the mechanics of the market are very much on the side of the bulls when it comes to Rivian. Let's go to Mike in Texas. Mike. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to hear you. Just wanted to give you a big thank you for making us all all look really good. Uh, uh, Thank you, Mike. I'm sure trying every day. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Good job, good job. It doesn't go unappreciated. Um, Jim, are we going to uh, throw in the house at Roku at 275? I don't know. I saw that Vizio number. Wasn't that crazy about it today? That's a TV. Uh, I think that Roku reminds me of the companies that do better in a pandemic. Um, and thank heavens the pandemic's winding down. And I don't really have much more to say about that. Uh, it's Pelotonistic. Or is Peloton Rokuistic? Something to think about. Let's go to John in Florida, please. John. Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? I am doing well. How about you? Excellent. Big shout out to Alex and Ali. My big question is, with Riven and all these things we're seeing going on in the market, do you think that inflation has been priced into the legacy stocks like FedEx and T and, and Ford? Well, I got to tell you, I like Fred Smith, and I like what he's built at FedEx. And I think FedEx could be a very good situation. I also like Ford, too. Ford is owned by my travel trust, as is United Parcel. And you want to find out more data about that, of course, all you have to do is become a member of our investment club. And I urge you to do so. By the way, now, here's a little known fact, okay? Uh, Fred Smith, his son is Arthur Smith 
who coaches the Falcons. And I've got a guy, Patterson, who plays the Falcons, and he's crushing it in fantasy. That is about as worthless as anything I'll ever say on the show. Raven's explosive day isn't just about the EV story. The mechanics of the market are on the side of the bulls when it comes to this one. On Mad Money tonight, BioAven has slipped from its highs after announcing a deal with Pfizer to commercialize its migraine treatment. So should investors be concerned about what the future could hold for the biotech company? Let's check in with the CEO. Then MasterCard held its analyst day earlier today, highlighting the sheer size of its network. By the way, psst, it, it, it's larger than a firm. And I'm talking exclusively to the company's top brass professional for the presentation. I am with a tight labor market and a recovery economy. I'm eyeing one automation play that could be worth watching. Don't miss my exclusive with Rockwell Automation. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what the heck just happened to the stock of Biohaven Pharma, favorite of Kramer, the maker of Nurtech ODC, which unfortunately I do have to take when I get migraine. Uh, the stock plunged from 139 to 121 in a session. Whoa. Okay, yesterday morning, Biohaven reported a solid quarter. We're going to find out more about that. But it also announced a partnership with Pfizer to sell their big migraine pill overseas. Now, you would normally think that'd be pretty good news, right? Uh, but because Biohaven had pre-announced strong results in early October, the good numbers were already baked in. As for the Pfizer deal, 
I think it was seen as a negative because so many investors were hoping this company would be a takeover candidate. It was mentioned the first question in the conference call. But with this partnership, it seems like they're committed to grinding it out as an independent company. So could this be the mother of all buying opportunities? Let's check in with Dr. Vlad Chorich. He's the CEO of Biohaven Pharma. Get a better read on the quarter and what comes next. Dr. Chorich, welcome back to Bad Money. Hey, Jim, how are you? I am good, Doc. Good to see you on the show. How have you been? I've been doing great. Thank you very much. And as you know, yesterday we announced the uh, collaboration with Pfizer to take what is the market leading migraine therapy here in the U.S. around the globe to to patients who really need new options. All right. So let's take this. Let's take this kind of uh, play it as it lays, so to speak. Uh, We want to start with a question that uh, a fellow from Callan asked, which he just pointed to. Listen, great numbers. Uh, Why didn't you just sell the whole company? Well, Jim, this is a great deal for Biohaven and a great deal for patients. As you know, there's over a billion individuals who suffer migraine around the world. Pfizer is a global powerhouse, and this collaboration will allow us to bring this drug to those patients. And what it does for us, it we allowed to retain all of our U.S. rights. And so we have optionality in the future on the U.S. aspect of the deal. And this is going to bring in ex-U.S. revenue. It's a smart deal for our shareholders and for patients. Will it accelerate profitability? Not only will it accelerate profitability, we believe it's going to bring us um, increased revenues from around the world. When you look at how difficult it can be for companies to launch in all the major markets and all the other associated markets, there are few companies who can do it like Pfizer, right? Pfizer is a really um, has a series of blockbuster drugs that they've successfully brought into all different markets around the world. And so it's going to bring in, we believe, increased revenue, both sooner and a higher magnitude of revenue that's going to help us get to our profitability. All right, let me play devil's advocate for a second. AbbVie, big company, huge company, has a competitor, Ubrelvi. You're crushing them. Why do you need Pfizer's help when you a little, uh, let's say, David is crushing crushing the Goliath that is AbbVie? Well, you're right. As you know, we are the number one prescribed oral CGRP antagonist here in the United States and Nurtec ODT with its rapid onset of action and now its dual acting prevention effects, which can not only treat your current attack, but then prevent the next is differentiating from AbbVie's products. And when you look at what we've done here, we want to bring that same profile to patients in need outside the U.S. And if a small company like ourselves tried to do that around the globe, the infrastructure spend and cash burn would not let us get to profitability. Um, unless you have multiple drugs in your pipeline, it's very difficult to uh, bring drugs and commercialize it across the globe. Pfizer has those capabilities. They have a big brand presence in every market across the world, and they're going to team up with us, and they're going to help us continue uh, to be the market leaders across the globe. All right, so, Dr. George, I went to uh, Amazon uh, before I came out here, and oh, look at this. You got Tylenol, Ultra Relief, Extra Strength for Tension Headaches, and Migraine for $8. We've got the Excedrin Migraine Relief Capsules. I probably took about 1,000 of those uh, for $17.27. Bufferin's got something, too. And uh, I wanted to ask you, when uh, the Advil Migraine Liquid Filled Capsules, head-to-head versus you, how did those do? 
Yeah, um, there are different segments since they're not prescription. They do not hit the same type of efficacy as well as prevention that we have. And so we're actually the only migraine therapy that both treats an acute episode and prevents the next. There is no other therapy out there for migraine than can do that. So that's how we differentiate from all those over-the-counters. Those over-the-counters can be very successful for milder forms of migraine, but for people who have more moderate to severe, not as successful as the uh, prescription uh, treatments. And now with our new standard of care being one pill that can do both treat acute episodes and prevent the next, that's what differentiates us from everything else out there, Jim. All right, just an anecdotal. I've tried every single one of those for my 27 out of every 30 a month, uh, and they didn't do anything. And I wanted to thank Nurtec, your drug, for being able to make it so I can come to work every day. What else in the pipeline, sir? Because you're going to have all this money coming from Pfizer. Jim, we have a very broad pipeline in neuroscience. We have a number of studies coming up, including uh, a readout in ALS as well as ataxia. But in just a few weeks, we're expecting our intranasal Zvegepant data. And Zvegepant is the only CGRP antagonist in an intranasal form. We think this is going to get to an ultra-rapid onset of action. And people with migraine, they need to get back to functioning as quick as possible. This is going to be another potential tool for patients with migraine that can give an even quicker onset of action than the ODT. We're excited about the upcoming data. If positive, we'll be filing. And Zvegepant is also part of the collaboration with Pfizer and will allow us to rapidly bring that to markets across the world if the study is approved. Okay, so I woke up Monday morning with migraine. Pretty brutal. Uh, took a Nurtec. It was, uh, went away in five minutes. Why do I need intranasal spray? I mean, five minutes isn't a bad time. Well, you're right. We think Nurtec ODT is going to be the market leader. And for most patients, that's going to solve the problem. However, if in some instances you might even need a quicker onset of action for you, you had a quick onset. Others, it may take a little bit longer. We just want to have another uh, medication that could be in the toolkit. So if you need it, it's there. And that's an important part of treating migraine. You want to know with confidence that you'll be able to get rid of a migraine. And so we want to have multiple approaches so that we can serve most patients. All right, one last question on prevention. I mean, I know when one's going to happen because of biometric pressure. How do people, other people know that they're about to have one? Well, it, it, it varies for different people, but you're right. Some individuals know their triggers. And so, for example, some women around hormonal changes during the menstrual cycle, they know they get worse migraines. They can take it preventatively during that period of time. Other people, when they change altitude, it brings on a migraine. So if they're traveling, they can take it uh, ahead of time as well. And even seasonal allergies sometimes can bring on those type of migraines. And so it, for every individual, what's great about the dual therapy that we have and no one else has is that patients and their doctors can customize it, use it acutely when they want, and use it preventatively when they have identifiable triggers so that migraine is not interfering with their lives. I, I was just chuckling because I'm going to San Francisco uh, this weekend, and I know I have to take a Nurtec beforehand or I'll, wa- I'll wake up uh, with a stunner that will make it so I don't even know what city I'm in. But I want to thank you once again. Dr. Ch- Dr. George, Vlad George is the CEO of Biohaven Pharma with, uh, I yes, I am the chief spokeswoman for the American Migraine Foundation, so I'm acutely aware of what Biohaven has done. And I thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah. Take care. Well, you may want to take out. You may want to go and uh, ride it. I don't really care. All I can tell you is it's not anecdotal. 
It's empirical. The darn drug works. And money's back in the break. With MasterCard announcing big plans for long-term growth, could an investment in this company prove to be priceless? The CEO joins Kramer fresh off its investor day. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. On an ugly day where the market got hammered by inflation worries, you need to remember that there are plenty of companies that actually benefit from inflation, and that includes credit card companies like MasterCard that take a tiny percentage from every transaction. Higher prices mean larger transactions, which translates into more money for the credit card network that processes the payment. And that's one reason why MasterCard stock soared nearly 4% today. But more importantly, MasterCard rolled out some terrific new long-term growth targets at their investor meeting today and explained how they have the scale, keep that word in mind, to realize them. Throw in the fact that these guys delivered an excellent quarter a couple of weeks ago, and I'm very glad we own this one for the charitable trust. Now, if you wanted to figure out what we're doing before we actually do it for the charitable trust, you have to join our new CNBC Investing Club, and I sure hope you do because it's been a lot of fun for us. Now, earlier today, we got a chance to catch up with Michael Meebach. He is the president and CEO of MA. That's what I call it. That's the symbol for MasterCard. Take a look. Michael, I started an investment club for CNBC, and you're a core position, MasterCard's core position in the trust and therefore in the investment club. And I did it because the more I study your company, the more I realize you are the dominant scale player in payments. But I also realize that a lot of individual investors don't really know what MasterCard does. I'm giving you the floor on this great day to be able to tell people. <laughs> All right, Jim, I, I happily take the floor. Um, it's true. I mean, we, we have a majority of investors that are really institutional investors, so... Um, I don't often have to take the floor to explain in, uh, in very simple terms what we do. But here's what we do is we make payments work everywhere around the world for consumers. So you just show up somewhere in Moscow and you want to buy that souvenir, it will work. You do the same here on a debit card in New York City, it'll work. We're the pipes in between. We connect the banks that will give you the card and we will you know, make it work at the till of the merchant. As simple as that, then we do a few other things. We make the payment safer. There's a lot of cybersecurity solutions all in the background. Can't actually see it. 
but it does work. We do data analytics so that the loyalty program that you might have on your card actually works better and feels more targeted. So that's what MasterCard does. Um, it's all about card and the name, but actually in reality we do the same beyond card payments and account-to-account -account payments, and as of late in crypto as well. Okay, now, uh, United States based, but the reality is you're worldwide. Right. Uh, tremendous business in cross-border, which right. means that there may have been a lull because of COVID, but you must be coming on strong as the world reopens. Right. So there is, you know, March last year, you know, everything shut down. The first thing that, I, that we saw was that domestic spend in everyday spend categories, like you couldn't go to the shop. But so what are you going to do? You're going to stop, you know, shop uh, online online for groceries. So we saw some massive shift in behaviors. Anything discretionary didn't happen, cross-border didn't happen, but everything everyday spend happened. So fast forward to today, what we're starting to see is we're two days in after U.S. borders open for travel, flights are full, um, you know, tourists are arriving and they're spending. Wherever over the last 18 months people have had the ability to travel, they actually did because they wanted to see friends, they want to see family, so we're the net beneficiary. But it's not a zero-sum game. That online spend stays. So there is this, you know, we call this in MasterCard speak the secular trend, but it's basically there's a digital solution that's better than cash, and people are not going back. They're not going back to what they were before. So you know, we look forward very excited and saying, there's a more digital world, but at the same time, the power of travel is coming back. Uh, it's coming back to our P&L. Uh, it's showing. The trends are super encouraging. And you know, as the U.S. is opening, you still look into Asia, and you start to see in Asia, nothing has opened. Uh, yeah, they're just at the very early days, so that's all upside. We had an investor day today, and I just gave one stat and said you know, 20% um, of the top markets around the world, uh, from a cross-border perspective, are currently at 70% pre-pandemic volume. That's 30% upside. Wow. And then you take the US, UK, and um, Canada, which are the largest markets where the borders only just opened this week, they're at 50%. That's all upside because people will go out and travel as corporate and consumer. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to start with this concept of worldwide is because right. there is a perception. There's a lot of what we call fintech companies. Trevor right, right. and I had on a firm right when they got this Amazon deal, and they're very smart people. I'm sure you know them. But they're mm -hmm. talking about a very exciting thing with buy now, pay later. Uh, it's right, exciting right. if you, you're, you're in a jam, basically. And a lot of people feel that MasterCard somehow doesn't understand these things and can't play in scale. Isn't it the opposite? It's exactly the opposite. And it's a bit of a leading question. But, you know, to scale, it's important to notice nearly 3 billion people on the planet that hold a MasterCard payment credential, either digitally or in form of plastic or whatever. It's 3 billion. 80 million merchants. That is scale. If you look at your buy now, pay later, buy now, pay later is today 1% of the payments market. The other 99% is somewhere in the 3 billion and the 80 million I just talked about. We're in like in 200 plus countries around the world, so there is scale. Now, we understand that consumers want different choices. My kids might not want to use a credit card at some point. They might not. They like a debit card. They certainly like a debit card, but also they might like some crypto payment or they just like buy now, pay later because it's a cool experience. For whatever the reason is, we do lean in. You know, we will always promote the, the benefits and the value of the card payment system. You've got zero liability. You're protected as a consumer. And buy now, pay later, you may not. Right. So we show that, but at the same time, we bring it. So what we've said is 
why don't we just take all the banks that work with us around the world and say, do you want to offer buy now, pay later at the point of sale for a consumer? So as a buy something, I'm offered up as, do you want to pay this in four? As easy as that? Why would a bank say no to that? And the banks did say yes. Okay, but let's... So we launched let me, that. Well, let me play devil's advocate. I leave a right. question before. Now let me, let me do uh, okay. direct. <laughs> uh, I am concerned that uh, people think that banks have to be duplicitous. They, on the one hand, offer credit cards that can charge usurious interest rates. Mm-hmm. And the other hand, they do buy now, pay later. I'd rather be with someone who's disintermediating the whole system, blowing it up, and no hidden fees, that kind of thing. What do you say to that? You know, it's, it's, there's this aspect of responsible borrowing and as far, uh, as far as uh, responsible lending in what, what you're just asking. So you see regulators around the world and banks looking at that and saying, you know, we, we have to ensure that people don't overextend themselves. Right, right, right. You, can, you can be irresponsible in all sorts of ways. Um, mm-hmm. you know, buy now, pay later is just another option on how to pay. And it, the same principles have to apply. You should make sure that people don't overextend themselves. And I don't think for that reason the, the banks need to be, you know, the system needs to be blown up. Banks have a role to play. Other alternative lenders come in. In the end, regulators will actually look at the buy now, pay later space. I'm 100% convinced. And, you know, we will make sure that some of the so more questionable aspects of that might be uh, sorted out. Well, in the uh, right I'm way. glad you bring that up because if you're not responsible, then it really doesn't matter. Yeah, now, exactly, yes. uh, you have a 73-page uh, booklet, <laughs> so to speak. Right. And when I go through it, you mentioned crypto. Candidly, right. I found... Only one page that talked directly, page 28, that talked about building solutions to support the crypto economy. But then there were 72 other pages that didn't address crypto. So how serious is your company about crypto? Yeah, so crypto is, is, no question, it's a hot space. So a lot of people invest in it. Other people like us think about it. What else can you do with it other than investing in it as an asset class? The first thing is we do, we have a role to play in making sure that people who want to invest into crypto, they can do so on a MasterCard. And when they want to sell again, they can do and get it back onto the MasterCard. So I can use Ethereum. I can say, listen, I want Ethereum as my MasterCard? And we have a bunch of partnership programs where you easily do that. Okay. But if you want to go and go to the next coffee, the coffee shop of your liking, and you want to pay using crypto as the payment currency, we're not quite there yet. And we're not quite there as a company or as a regulator in most developed markets around the world. So that is not happening. But we're getting ready. We're technically ready for it. There's, should, a, there's a business away from crypto that's yeah. pretty large, though. Should, should the digital euro come? We are ready for it. That okay. is perfectly fine. So we have said whichever way the crypto ecosystem needs to be served, as long as it's regulatory compliant, MasterCard will be there. Because we're not just about card. No, we have to wrap it. I want you to, again, mention how many stores and how many people so we know what we're talking right. about here. You're talking 211 countries and territories, 3 billion people, and 80 million merchants. True scale. And that's why my charitable trust owns it, because I like true scale, I like honesty, I like transparency, I like MasterCard. Thank you so much to Michael Miba. He's the CEO of MasterCard on your terrific analyst day. Everybody can read about it. 73 pages, and it's not hard. Stay with me. When you've got both a recovering economy and an incredibly tight labor market, you know what wins? One word, automation. Businesses need to expand their capacity, but workers are getting more and more expensive. They're hard to find. So this is the kind of setup where they pour money into machines. What kind of machines? Well, they pour money into Rockwell automation machines. They sell hardware. Oh, by the way, and more importantly for uh, the fast growth, they sell software to help industrial companies automate their manufacturing process become more efficient. Now, I've been recommending this one for roughly a year 
That's up more than 90 points, better than a sharp stick in the eye. After the quarter they reported last week, I bet it's got a lot more in the run. Yet, Rockwell Automation technically delivered a mixed quarter with weaker-than-expected sales, coupled with a big earnings beat. But it's their guidance. Remember, we care about what's happening in the future. Managers forecasting 14 to 17% organic growth. Most of was only looking for 7 and That's why the stock jumped 23 bucks last Tuesday, doing an all-time high, although since then it's pulled back a bit. Now, today, Rockwell had an Investor Day event where management laid out a more detailed plan to grow their sales from $7 billion last year to $9 billion in the fairly near future. Let's take a closer look with Blake He's the chairman and CEO of Rockwell Automation. So you can hear the same pitch that the professionals got. You deserve it. Mr. Moret, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, it's great to be here. And uh, we're having a great automation fair in Houston and just concluded a really good investor day where we lay down plans for the future. Well, Blake, the acceleration that you're predicting is rather amazing. I know some of it has got to be the tailwinds from a tight labor market, but some of it has to be the dazzling things that are behind you. Dazzle me with a couple of things that I'd be seeing if I were at that conference. Well, Jim, first of all, it's about all the pieces working together to provide outcomes for customers in specific industries. So when you're an electric vehicle manufacturer, you don't care so much about the individual characteristics of the products or the software. You care about how it works together to help you turn out more jobs per hour and to do it at higher quality and more scheduling precision. Similarly with medicines and with food and beverage, some of the new things that we have are our cloud-native software that we've built and we've bought over the last year. Some of the hardware like independent cart technology, which is used to provide more precision motion control than could ever be provided before. And some of the services, the digital consulting, the cybersecurity services, some of the new acquisitions that we made. We made Avada a part of the family here in the last week. And so it's organic and inorganic, and it's about all the pieces working together. So, Blake, let's talk about this uh, digital consulting. Uh, in the last week, and just including last night, I spoke to probably a half dozen CEOs. They want to know where the people are. They can't make the stuff without the people. They keep mentioning the people, the people. Well, they're not in manufacturing. If I was in manufacturing and I called you, Blake, and said, look, I can't find the people. Can you help me? Would you send a team out? Would you show them what they can do? I mean, is it that kind of thing that you're doing right now for companies? We do it in a variety of ways. Uh, We'd help them with understanding how they can make the best use and the most effective use of the people that they do have to be able to use the automation to free people up for what people do best, and that's make decisions and use their creativity to be able to introduce new lines of business and more productivity. But it's also about the hands-on training capabilities that we provide for those customers through our veterans training program and through the curriculum that we can provide those customers so that when they find the people, they can make sure that they have the skills to do a great job. Oh, wait a second. I know it's tomorrow's Veterans Day. What do you have for veterans? So we're we're taking returning veterans who are returning to civilian life and free of charge to those veterans. We can put them through a 12-week hands-on training program that equips them for technician roles in jobs across the country in a variety of industries. We started doing this a couple of years ago, and I can tell you it's the thing I'm personally most proud of in my career for launching with Rockwell to provide a service to those manufacturers and to our service people. I I don't mean to to detract from the conference at all, but this is something that we care tremendously 
while they have money. Are you finding that the people who return uh, and are veterans uh, represent leadership qualities that you see, represent uh, uh, t- attention to detail, uh, 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 let's say, a level of ethic that we don't find in other people? You know, it's those soft skills that really make the difference. It's people who understand how to work collaboratively in a group, who are self-motivated, who are willing to work for a larger cause. All of those things make veterans a great choice of workforce talent for factories all through the U.S. And it's been tremendously received. It's the right thing to do. And we're continuing to look for ways to scale this even more broadly. Well, we thank you for doing that. One last thing. Uh, you did this big strategic win at Magda. I don't know what people realize, but a lot of the EVs are not going to be able to be made by themselves. They're going to have to contract with the number one outsourcing maker of auto, autos, auto parts, Magna. How did that deal come about? Well, it's about our capabilities and in some cases our differentiation with respect to different parts of the EV manufacturing process that are different from traditional internal combustion engine manufacturing. And so whether it's independent CART or it's the use of our MES software, all those things are differentiators and won the day with the win with Magna. The software and the hardware working together to produce those outcomes is what it's all about. Well, look, I want to applaud everything you're doing, both for veterans, but also to be able to make it so that we can make things in this country now that we have the great resignation and the great retirement. So I want to thank you, Blake. Blake Barrett is the chairman and CEO of Rockwell Automation for coming uh, on and explaining us everything you're doing and for that incredible organic growth that you're going to be showing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Jim. Well, sometimes you get a story that turns out to be not a story, but reality. And I love that. And I love what this man is doing. Uh, They just are doing what we need more than anything else right now. Help hire and vets and make it so that we can make things when we can't find the people to do it. We have money's back here. Then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, tell the lightning round because we're going to start with Michael in Pennsylvania. Michael! Booyah, Professor Kramer! And there I get getting tenure again. What's happening? Now, I'm not one to ever exaggerate, but the oncology stock I'm calling about tonight has a potential treatment for breast cancer, a potential treatment for prostate cancer, and a potential treatment for COVID 19. Give me Harper for NLMVP. Give me Wawa over sheets. And please, give me your opinion on Veru. I think that the, that the prostate cancer drug is real. And I think it's a very, very real situation. And I think that, therefore, for $8, you're in real good shape. Let's go to Chris in Colorado. Chris! Well, hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Chris. What's up? Uh, I'm going to ask about the stock, but I got to 18 because I wanted exposure to digital records for vaccines. Is it going any higher? Change healthcare, CHNG. It's just a good, steady company. You know what? It's about time we have some healthcare companies that are not going to be up and down 40 points. I'm okay with it. How about Jason in New Jersey? Jason. Hey, Jim. I just wanted your thoughts on Arrival and how you feel about them. You know, I... Honestly, God, when it, you know, I think we crowned the winner today with, with, 
with Rivian. And even though Rivian is up gigantically, I'm going to tell you, Rivian's going hard. It's not done. Rivian is not done. Okay? So there we go. Let's go to Jack in Ohio. Jack. Thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. Thank you. Hey, they reported a supply chain issues with a recent stock pullback. Do you think it's okay to add more EMR Emerson? Absolutely. We had Emerson CEO on, and I got to tell you. Got my view? There you go. Hey, why not? We're not done. Let's go to Joe in also my home state of Jersey. Joe. Hey, Jimmy Chill. Let me give you a big booyah from your neighboring town of Livingston, New Jersey. Holy cow. The chill man likes to go there for Delhi. What's up? <laughs> First time caller, but long time listener and member of the Investment Club. And I want to thank yes. you and your staff for all you do for man, us. We are gamers. putting out some good bullets. I saw last night at dinner, there was a guy I got there, he's CEO. So I love the bullets. I said, I just made my, made my year. Let's go, let's go to work. What do you got? All right. Because of you, Jimmy, I've been doing my homework and listening in on the conference calls of an under the radar gold miner that I think is on the brink of a breakout. This miner has a 50% partnership with Barrick Gold, who I know you like, to develop the Alaskan Donlin Gold Mine, which, according to their CEO, is the holy grail of gold mines, the new Nevada, and what they consider the premier gold play in the world today. It's expected to produce over 1 million ounces of gold per year for multiple decades, with the ore grade more than double the world average grade. Now, their stock price has been a little depressed lately, but I would hope for a pop if and when they break ground on the mine. All right, so that's great. So is now great. the time to double down on Nova Gold, ticker symbol NG? No. And I like Nova Gold, NG, but that's it's had a nice move. I think we just be careful. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. We're starting to get our arms and heads around the metaverse, and I kind of like what I don't see. That's right. Uh, the, you can call it the metaverse. You can call it the omniverse. I don't really care what you call it. I say I call it profitability. So now we're on the hunt for the best ways to play it, since a lot of people are going to make money, which is why I want to give you my reflections from the last couple of conference calls and keynotes, because it's been filled with metaversian. We need to start with the most basic introduction. That's Mark Zuckerberg's amazing explainer of everything that can be done in the metaverse. In Mark's view, this is a di- Mark. Hey, it's okay. I call him Mark. It's a digital world unto itself where your avatar can do everything you do in the real world. You can play cards, go to concerts, anywhere in the world, by the way, take classes, even surf with Zuckerberg himself. Mm. Well, younger people want a piece of this. I can't be sure. I'm not one of them. But I know money managers love it, and maybe that's more important. As someone who went through the traditional education system in this country, the metaverse feels like a game changer for me. I always disliked the fact there was 29 other kids in a class. In Facebook's metaverse, it's one-for-one education for everybody. Could be the great equalizer, assuming that you can get a, a Ford VR headset. I would immediately set up, if I were Mark or anybody, uh, a fund to make it so everybody's equal. Everybody gets these. Or let's come at it from another angle. My wife will soon go down to Florida because she hates the winter, right? I can text her. I can call her. But you know what I really like to do? I like to play Rummy Cube with her. Yeah, it's a silly little game. I, by the way, don't tell her. I let her win. Uh, that's why she wins so much. Uh, you keep that between us, okay? But it's fun. I need to do more than just text about how you're doing. Uh, that's Metaverse 101 for you, but it's fantastic. Moreover, someone who celebrates Mental Health Month, and I make no bones about that, I know there are tons of mental health issues that can be ameliorated by human interaction. But if you're, say, really depressed, you might not be able to make yourself leave the house. 
The metaverse is an obvious interim solution. And I'm saying interim mental health professionals. I'm not a fool about this. I'm not sure Zuckerberg understands how powerful this could be as a mental health tool. Maybe it could help fix the epidemic of teen suicide that Facebook's Instagram platform has arguably contributed to, sadly. And by the way, just so you know, uh, I think that they're going to do what's right to try to make this epidemic, at least get control of the epidemic. Meanwhile, you try to get control. Sorry. Meanwhile, you can shop until you drop in the metaverse. It's the best way to try on clothes without leaving the house. Ralph Lauren's already made real strides here. How about the avatar itself and the interaction with other people? All right. That's where NVIDIA comes in. You need their high powered graphics chips to create your own digital twin. I want to learn to act from Olivia. I want to hear poetry from Muhammad Ali. I don't want to be a cartoon, which is what we've seen so far. I want it to be me shading and all. Hey, warts and all, I don't know, pimples and all, crinkles and all, lines and all, crow's feet. You get it. And video will have, have you covered with their Omniverse Projects platform. Maybe I want me when I was like 28. We've already got plenty of virtual reality games, including some of the most popular titles of all, like Grand Theft Auto. What if you want to make your own game? Maybe one where you aren't trying to shoot everybody and kill them. Well, that's Roblox, where they have their own internal metaverse already. You can even get paid for your efforts. And if you want to do something wild and crazy and beautiful and inventive online, check out what Unity did last night. This is a company that makes software tools for video game developers. But last night, they brought the tech, they brought the tech division of Peter Jackson's Weta Digital, which handled all the cool visual effects in the Lord of the Rings movies, not to mention Avatar. Imagine being able to be an avatar of the person who made up the avatar. I mean, that's real avatarium. These are companies that are currently doing the best work in the metaverse. In the end, I think it will succeed or fail based on its ability to create powerful experiences. A troubled person who's lonely could use a card game that feels like you're around other human beings. I think older people who can't go out might like to see a lecture by a digital Shakespeare watching Henry IV Part II, perhaps even at the Globe. Or maybe they can just see a metaverse production play itself. Going forward, there'll be many companies who try to claim they got a piece of the metaverse. But for now, it's Facebook, now metaverse, which I know can do more for mental health. NVIDIA, which makes you look like yourself. Roblox, which is a lot of fun. And Unity, I can't even tell you what they got lined up with sports, but it's going to be great. They have you covered. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.